Exams are over. How many people are glad about that? Hey, wonderful. And uh, welcome back. Welcome back, Nathan. Nice to see you. Morgan, sorry, Morgan. It's been a year. I forgot. I forget things in five minutes, let alone a year. Morgan, it's great to see you back. Others, if you've been away at uni and you've come back, welcome. It's nice to see you. Hey, wasn't it great to have Alton and Simona here uh, a few weeks back, wasn't it? It was really great uh, with their family. Um, hey, it's getting really close now. Angie and I met with them, uh, was it last? I don't know, just a week or so ago, and uh, still looking for the house. Hasn't, haven't got one yet. It's, I mean, it's wonderful the way they're living. They're, they've sold their little home in Peterborough, and they're all ready for off. I ain't got nowhere to, to land yet. So, um, yes, do be thinking of them, praying for them, and don't forget your envelope this morning. Okay. Well, we're going on in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 24. And Paul is in trouble. How many of you know that sometimes... Following Jesus, you end up in trouble. It can, it's not always straightforward following Jesus. Well, Paul is in trouble. And um, just to say, his three mission, missionary journeys, they're over. And he's gone back. He's taken a gift back to... Hey, a gift. Speaking of gifts, there you are. It's what church do. We, it's, you know, open hand, open hearts. He's taken a gift back to Jerusalem, went up to the temple... Some of the Jews, some Jews recognized him and caused a, a bit of a stir and he's hauled in front of the, uh, the Sanhedrin. And, uh, and when, he's, when, he's, when he leaves there, there's a riot in the crowd and the, so much so that the Roman commander has to sort of get hold of him before he's torn apart limb from limb. So he just took him into custody and gave him a beating for, you know, well, that's what, just what you do. Um, and then Paul kind of, let, oh, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen not supposed to beat Roman citizens. Uh, anyway, then there's a plot to kill him, so uh, the Roman um, commander uh, had s- sent him off at night, 50 miles away to Caesarea, to appear before the uh, Felix, the governor. So it's all drama. He, you know, off in the middle of the night to, and in a cell, just had a beating. It's not straightforward. So here we are, I'm going to read now. Here he is in front of Felix, and he's, going to be, he's making his defence. I wonder how you respond when you make your defence. When someone says, oh, you're a Christian. How do you make your defence? Well, let's see what Paul does. So chapter 24, and uh, it's not very long, so I'll read it. And his actual defence might come up on the screen in a moment. Five days later after he threw the night up to Caesarea, blah, blah, blah. The high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. So they're coming to bring their accusations. And they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We've enjoyed a long period of peace under you, crawl, crawl, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to worthy, weary you further, I request you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We found this man, Paul, to be a troublemaker. He stirs up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect, and even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you'll be able to learn the truth about all these charges that we're bringing against him. 
And the other Jews joined in the accusations, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you've been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defence. You can easily verify, no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers didn't find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogue or anywhere else in the city. And they can't prove to you the charges they're now making against me. However, I admit I worship the God of our ancestors and as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that's written in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temporal courts. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin, unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It's concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I'll decide your case. He ordered the centurions to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. So living unreservedly as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, as well as doing good to people around you, being a blessing, which, which, which hopefully is, is the case, it's not always like that. It can get you into trouble. If you live unashamedly for Jesus, there'll be times when you get ridiculed, when you get the mickey taken, when you might get excluded, even directly opposed, people having a go at you. It's, it's costly being a genuine follower of Jesus. It's costly, even in a, what used to be thought of as a Christian nation, it, it's costly to be an out-and-out follower of Jesus. But being a Christian, it, it's, it would seem, is one of the worst things. You, could, you, know, you can believe anything, most things, but Christians seem to come in for a hard time. It, it can be challenging to live out and out for the Lord Jesus. And I want to call what I'm saying this morning living for the glory of God. Because that is what you and I are called to do. So I'm going to look at Paul's defence. I wonder how would you defend your faith? You, you know, an easy way out. Well, I, 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 I'm, a, I go to, I'm a church girl. I go to church. That's kind of a fairly sort of, you know, uh, harmless way of defending yourself. But let's see how Paul defends his, himself. The first thing we find is, he, he, first answer is, he, he says he's a worshipper. The word worship comes up twice in his defense. So I'm trying to ask you the question this morning, are you a worshipper? If, if we're going to establish what a real Christian is, it starts here. 
are you a worshipper? Well, of course you are. The question is, what are you worshipping? You know? J.B. Phillips, I think it was J.B. Phillips who said that um, uh, inside every person there's a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And that's why people chase all kinds of things to try and find the, the fulfillment that they long for, that they yearn for. I think it was yeah, C.S. Lewis who said that if you find in yourself a longing, a desire for something that can't be found in this world, it's a hint that you were made for another world. Of course you're a worshipper. The question is what you're worshipping. What motivates you in life? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Is it money, success, the ultimate experience? What is it? Augustine famously said, God, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Are you a worshipper? This, the first, in verse 11, he says he went up to Jerusalem to worship. And the word, I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me, I don't mean to, uh, I just, the, see, there's different words for worship in, in, the, in, in the Greek. And this first word here is, is proskunio, okay? Proskunio. And, and this word literally means, pros means to come before, prostrate yourself, come before. And kunio means to kiss. And so it means coming before with devotion, as, as you would into the presence of someone who is just amazing, you know. And, and, and so that's what this first word is. It, it, it's a very, it, 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 it's, it's not a formality. It's a beautiful word, proskunio, to come before, to kiss, to, whoa, to, to, it, it's a, it's an, it's a, a word of devotion. Are you a worshipper? Are you? This is a lovely word. This, I mean, some of us have been going through the book of Revelation in King's Daily. We, we reached the end on Friday after three months. <laughs> and we found there's a whole lot of worship in the book. This, that word appears 24 times in the book of Revelation. Just because... So the book of Revelation is about it's about it's about the glory of the Lord Jesus risen the city and so there's lots of worship there. So I want to ask you, are you a worshipper? Does that register with you to come before the Lord, or is it just a duty, singing, if you feel like it? Proscunio. It's an emotion. It's a wonderful word, and it's 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 what all those wonderful. Um, Occasions in the, in, 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 in the book of Revelation, around the throne, people just, proscunio, coming before the Lord. Oh, Lord, you're amazing. God, oh, Lord, you're, you're amazing. Are you a worshipper? It's a lovely, lovely word, isn't it? But there's another word for worship. In verse 14, he says, however, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors. Now, that's a different word in the Greek, and it's latrio, and that literally, that means to, to be in the service of someone. It means to be, uh, in fact, in, again, in the book of Revelation, it's, it's in there, those who serve before the throne. It's worship. See, the point is, worship, it's not just about devotion and singing, it's about the whole of life. It's about 
what you, it's about you're serving. You're serving the Lord. You're living for him. The word literally means to be, to be a hired one, to be, to be, to be someone's, in someone's service. And, and as, if you're a Christian, if you're a real Christian, if you're a real worshiper, it's, worship isn't just about what you do on a Sunday morning when you sing. It's about the whole of your life. It's for the glory of God, the whole thing. If you're a Christian, it's all for the glory of God. Isn't that a thought? Whatever you do. I was having a little text exchange this week with someone, uh, and um, it was the beginning of the day. Uh, someone, so, someone in church around me, and uh, they're, they're uh, a medic, and they finished off by saying, I'm off to be a blessing. See if I can bring some hope to uh, a dozen folks or so this, today. I thought that's... That's it. That's precious. That's living for the glory of God. I want to see if I can be a blessing today wherever I go. That's what it's all about. It's all for the glory of God. Everything you do, your whole, if you're a Christ one, a Christian, it's all for the glory of God. Here at King's, everything we do, it's for the glory of God whether you're volunteering in the coffee shop or on reception desk or, or cleaning cloakrooms or putting chairs, it's, Lord, I'm doing this for the glory of God. Do you know what? It keeps your heart from getting, whoa, 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 why am I doing this? Lord, I'm doing it for you. Wasn't it great to hear Lizzie this morning? I don't know if she's, she's probably with the children now. I don't know. She, no, she's over there. Bless you, Lizzie. We're going to miss you. Serving. It's for the glory of God. Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing it for you. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's part of being the family of God. Do you get it? And, I, I, you know, if I'm going to... Um, Chris, God, God was speaking to Chris this week about the whole thing of serving. Chris, do you want to come and share what you said? Could, could we brought you as that mic? What did God say to you about, about serving, my friend? Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I've, I've had this on my heart for a couple of weeks and I've been trying to discern when was the, the right time to bring it. But uh, I was reading in one of my uh, daily readings, it's the, the bit in 22 and 23 Kings when Josiah rediscovers the book of the law. Um, and when it's first read to him, he rips his robes because he realizes there's so many things that they haven't been doing and God's anger is, is towards them. And I, I just think, like for us in church, I look back at what we were doing before the pandemic and all the things we had running, morning coffee shop on a Sunday, different things that we did where we, we served and we served the community. And we're not doing those things at the moment for one reason or another. But I, I wonder whether if in some of the hearts of the people here, you're being stirred and God's saying to you, you know, how can you serve? What can you get back to? What can we get back to that we used to do? We're in a time where people's lives have been challenged people who don't know god yet their lives have been challenged they've been thrown upside down all the things they've built their hope in has been challenged by covid and we've had words come from mike bollinger and for steph no go deeper go deeper in with god deeper waters we're going to be living water that flows out and serves this region uh, and i just wonder you know what we can do to get back to that there is a harvest right out there in the world people who don't know god yet and it's, I guess, you know, hear my heart in this, it's out of love. But is there a way we can go and serve this community more? Are there things we can get back to that we used to do? Like Josiah tore his robe and then in the next chapter in 23, 
he went through the land getting rid of all the idols and, and everything and getting everything back and in his 18th year was the first year they celebrated Passover again and I wonder whether for us as a church there is an element of that what are you being stirred to what can you give even if it's a couple of hours even if the devil's there telling you no you, you won't be any good at that don't do it break through that if you've got something to give if God's stirring you in that way then just come and talk to people we'll find a way where we can use your gifts there's everyone sat in here in this building today has a gift and something to offer mm. let's get back to to doing that beautiful thanks chris thank you yes it's part of our devotion this word worship yes it's it is that proscunio it's coming before the lord with our devotion it's also serving lord i'm doing this for you wherever you go through the week lord i'm doing this for you it, it, it changes, being a Christian changes everything. It really does. It really, really does. And if we want to live for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10 says this, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Lord, I want to please you in everything, in everything. Colossians 3, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that special? Doing, this, is, this is what it means to be a Christ one. This is what Paul's defense. Yes, I'm a worshipper, and that involves the whole of my life. I'm a worshipper. Are you? Isn't it, what a motivation. What a motivation to please the Lord. You see, there's something, there's another part of his um, uh, uh, admission here in verse 14. I'm a follower of the way. That's what Christians were called. You get the idea? Followers of the way. There's motion involved. They're following. They're disciples. It, being a Christian is not, oh, yes, I think I believe this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah, got it, sorted. No, 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 no. Being a Christian, it, they, they first, the first, desert, first title they gave themselves were followers of the way. Every day we get up, Lord, I'm following you. Even when I go to work, whatever, Lord, I'm a follower of the way. Are you a disciple or are you a Sunday Christian? Now, I know Marcus the other week was telling us all about, we're all telling us we're all different, you know. Um, and I know some of you are night owls and some of you are early birds. Um, and uh, I'm a bit, of, I, I, yeah, okay, I'm one of the early bird types. I, I just want to, because for me, if I, yeah, I just need to get my head straight before anything else happens in the day. Lord, I want to please you. Lord, I want to get my compass straight before all the stuff around me tries to mess my compass around. If I, if I, if I read the news, that, that might get me gloomy for a start. So I don't really want to go there. If I look at all the social media stuff, that'll get me confused. I don't really want to go there. Lord, I want to please you. I want to please you. That's what it means to be a Christ one. We're worshippers, we're followers of the way. Are you a disciple? It goes on in verse 16. This gets scary now. So I strive. Oh dear. I, I work hard to always keep my conscience clear before God and man. I'm working at this. It's the word there for strive. It means like in athletics and all that stuff. I'm, I, 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 this is not a casual stroll in the, in the, in the park. I, 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 I'm working at this one. I want to live for your glory. Do you get the idea? 
that sees what a Christian is, a Christ one. That's why we need each other to encourage us, to, to strengthen us, to help us. This is, we, live, we want to live for the glory of God. It gets even scarier here. It says here in verse 15, I believe, the, I believe the hope in God, as these men in front of us, that there will be a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. Now, he's been a little bit kind of cheeky here because in front of him he's got, he's got Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but the Sadducees didn't. That's why they're sad, you see. And, sorry. But, so he's, he's sort of getting them a bit at each other here uh, in front of him. But, but also, he's making the point, I believe that one day we're going to stand before the Lord. All of us, we're going to stand before the Lord. And, and that's kind of, whoa, goodness me, that's sobering, isn't it? Folks, uh, and, and, uh, being a Christ one, a Christian, it changes everything. You can't be a part-time one. You can't. Because it's all about living for the glory of God. As a worshipper, also as a worshipper in work, the way we live our lives. I want to please him. When you love someone, you want to please them, don't you? I hope you do. Don't you? Of course you do. But it can be hard work. Please, even if you love them. It can be quite hard work, can't it? Not in my case, of course, but in yours it might be. Because you need to know. You're thinking about someone else. You need to know what they like and what they don't like. And, you're, and so, you know, you, you remember. You, you, of course you do. And Paul's saying, I, I work at this. I strive at this. I, 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 I give myself to this because I know I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. Are you a disciple? It sounds like hard work. Um, some of you are thinking, oh dear, I'm a bit of a failure in this. How do you do that? Well, I'm going to jump now to a passage I've been just enjoying all week. It's another defense that Paul makes. And it's, it's the church in Corinth for giving Paul a really hard time. You're a nobody. You're not a very impressive apostle. I mean, you've been in prison and all that. And you're not really as eloquent as our Greek philosophers and that. You're a bit of a, you're a bit, you're not impressed. He's, he's having to make his defense to this church. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians and verse 5, if I can find it. He says this. He says, we live by faith and not by sight. And he goes on to say, verse 9, this is, this is what I'm saying. We make it our goal to please the Lord. We make it our goal to please the Lord. And then he's got that same scary bit again, because we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So it's a bit scary still. So what, how do we do this? How, because we don't want to be sort of just religious people, ticking boxes, sort of, you know, oh God, am I, am I doing okay? Let's go down to verse 14. Here we go. This is the key. For the Christ's love compels us. The love of Christ compels us or controls us. 
That is not in the first place. It's not our love for him. It's the love of Christ. It's his love for me that compels me. This is where our motivation for living comes from. His love for me changes everything. If you really understand the love of Christ for you, it is life-changing. It is. And if you're, if you're drifting in and out of all kinds of stuff that you probably shouldn't ought to be doing and you come here on a Sunday most weeks, oh, I'm a right old failure again, you probably haven't really understood the love of Christ for you. You need a revelation of the love of Christ for you. You do. You need an overwhelming sense of what that the love of Christ for you is all about personally. There's the motivation. There's the fuel. So he's saying here, we make it our goal to please him. We're going to appear before the judge. How do we do all this? It's Christ's love compels us. That's what it is. I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Every day I get up, I want to be compelled by the love of Christ for me. And you never get bored with it. You never get to the end of it because, you know what? It's, there's always more. It's always bigger. This is astonishing. I, I really love this. You see, and, you know, some, it's, some people sort of get a bit confused about what Jesus has done for them. You know, well, was it, was it when he died on the cross or was it when he rose again? What, what, how does that all work? Well, let me put it this way. Both. He's your sin bearer and he's also your life giver. That's, that's what the love of Christ has done for you. Your sin bearer. He took it all. Martin Luther, this wonderful exchange. My sin for his righteousness. He's your sin bearer. No more guilt, condemnation. He took it all. He's your sin bearer, but he's also your life giver because he's alive and he wants to live in you today, tomorrow. He, he wants to be there with you. That's why life's too precious and short to drift through half-heartedly. I'm not sure there is such a thing as a half-hearted Christian, really. You can think about that. Anyway, am I squeaking? Have I done something? There's a rat behind there somewhere. <laughs> it's your fault, Lizzie. <laughs> it's, it's a revelation of the love of Christ. I mean, Paul, I, I'm, do you know what? I'm gonna, I think I'm preaching next week. I'm going to continue next week because this is such a such wonderful truth. If you, if you read on, Paul, Paul often, when he's, when he's writing about something, he gets carried away. He goes off on one. It's wonderful. You know, he just gets carried away. And, and that's what he does here. He makes this comment, Christ's love compels me, com- it controls me, because I'm convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
Oh, this is wonderful. From now on, it changes the way people live life. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. They're a new creature. The old has gone. The new is here. He's off on one. Can you hear it? And then he says this. And all of this is from God. It's all from God. You didn't do anything. It's all from God. It is all from God. And then he goes on, who reconciled us to himself. Big word to describe a big deal. He reconciled. You were alienated from God, guilty, separated, far away. Boom. That's where you were. You've been reconciled. Brought near, loved, accepted, cherished. Needs a big word to describe a big idea, big deal. Reconciled. That's what's happened. I mean, he just goes on. I'm, 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 next time, next week, okay, because there's just so much, there's just so much here. This new, this new way of living is available to everyone, and it starts with a revelation of the love of God. Are you a worshipper? Are you? Are you a disciple? Are you living for the glory of God? We're going to break bread in a moment. See, this is where you get your first glimpse. That's why we break bread. It's, this is where you see the love of God, and it's beautiful. Christ's love compels us. If your Christian life is dull, you probably need a fresh revelation of the love of God. It's been a long time since I gave you my favourite quote outside of the Bible, isn't it? I don't know if I can remember it. It's from J.I. Packer, knowing and being known. See if I can remember it. It's not so much that I know God, but more that he knows me. My name is engraved on the palm of his hand. And there's never a moment when I'm out of his mind or his attention falters. And the most amazing thing about his love for me that it's based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me so that no discovery he can now make will disappoint his knowledge of me the way I'm so often disappointed with myself and quench his determination to bless me. And it goes on from there. And folks, that's the love of God. Do you need a refresh revelation of the love of God? Do you? We're going to come around the table just now. Oh, and I want to pray for us. Can we have musicians back up here? I want to pray for us this morning. And I want to pray for a fresh revelation of the love of God for you. Maybe, and if, do you know what? If you've never understood Christianity like this before, if you've never given your life in response to Jesus giving his life to you. You can do that this morning. Please don't leave before you ask someone to pray with you. A prayer of repentance and, and accepting the Lord Jesus. Folks, it's life-changing. It, it will change your eternal destiny. And it'll change the way you live life tomorrow. Does that sound good to you? Folks, this is the one, this is all from God.
The love of Christ compels us. Do you know the love of Christ for you? Do you? I, I just feel, it, it, we just want to linger here. We're going to come and break bread in just a moment. And I want to sing a song. It's not on the list anywhere. And it goes, I love you, Lord. I lift my heart. I love you, Lord. What key is that in? I don't know. Got a key for that one? Can you find me a key? I love you, Lord. Join me. And I lift my voice. Lord Jesus, come, Lord. To worship you, all my soul rejoice. Take joy, my King. We want to please you, Lord, in all you hear. Let me be a sweet sound, Lord Jesus. Let me be a sweet, sweet sound in your heart. We're going to sing this again. And if, if you've been walking at a distance from the Lord, you've not been living for the glory of God, this is a moment to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Would you flood me with your love this morning as I worship you? Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back. Sing it again. I love you, Lord. Yes, we do, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul. Take your We want our words, not just our worship, everything going through this next week, our words to our, to our, our work colleagues, to our, our, our husbands, wives. We, Lord, we want our words to be pleasing, not just our sung words to you. Lord, we want our words to be pleasing. We want to live for your glory, Lord. We want to live for you, Lord. We want to live for you, Lord. We want to live for you. We want to live for you, Lord Jesus. Let's try another song. You ready? Here we go. Try this one. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone, I love.
Jesus, we want this week to live for your glory. Lord, we do. One day we're going to stand before you, Lord, but we, we want to live for your glory. We want to live tomorrow for you, Lord, at, at home. We want to live for you the way we treat one another. Lord, with our friends and neighbours, with our work colleagues, we want to live for you, Lord. May our words be pleasing. May our actions be pleasing. May our devotion to you be pleasing. Lord, we want to live for your glory in these urgent days. We do, Lord. We do, Lord. Your, our neighbours and friends and work colleagues, they, 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 they need to know you. They really, really, really do. They really do. Let's sing that again. <laughs> 